The thoughts and views expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and do not reflect the opinions or the position of any of the organizations which might be associated with the individuals, past or present. Any mention of any organization by name is purely for scene setting and is not intended to implicate said organization. Welcome to another episode of No Brown in Town. Today I'm speaking with Buki Shola, an executive coach to the African diaspora. Here's what she had to say. Welcome to another episode of No Brown in Town. And today I'm with Buki Ishola, a career coach. So Buki, tell the people who you are and what you do. Okay, thank you. Um, so as you said, um, I'm a coach. My, my expertise is in coaching and specifically turning um, potential into high performance and impactful results in the workplace. Um, so I, um, I'm an executive coach. I work with two groups of clients. On one hand, I, I work with senior African diaspora professionals, and I support them to navigate the workplace, overcome challenges, to get promoted, to elevate their personal brand and their impact in the workplace. On the other hand, high coach leaders, specifically white leaders, who want to increase the representation of Black colleagues and leaders in the organization. So overall, you know, the purpose of my work and my mission is to help the African diaspora professionals in the West be high-performing, high-impact, purposeful leaders in the workplace. So I'm working directly with them to achieve this, whether that is through career coaching, through leadership coaching. And then on the other hand, I'm also working with their leaders to create the environment that would allow them to thrive and realize their potential because environment does matter. Um, so you're right in describing me as a career coach, but it, it, it's wider than that. That's 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 really interesting. And yeah, it's executive leadership and working with um, working with the leaders as well to help them yeah. understand what they can do. I should link you up with Rob Anafi, um, who is on an episode earlier on, and he talks about uh, a committee that he started around race action through leadership, which I think ties up quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, so you talk about helping African diaspora in the West uh, to thrive and you know turn potential into high performance. What led you to wanting to work within this area? Yes, um, I guess I chose coaching first and then the people to impact with my coaching came afterwards. Um, so coaching, when I first became a manager, I realized that I really love the people development side of things. I was really fascinated by, you know, how people change, how people raise their performance, how they get better results. So that really fascinated me. I was really interested in, in, in that. And that was what led me to, you know, to train as a coach to really help people do that. And then after I became a coach, it was then, okay, I have this new set of skills, this really powerful set of skills that can make a big impact, a big difference. Who am I best placed to serve? Who do I want to serve and um, benefit with these skills? And, um, you know, coaching is about solving problems and running yeah. the businesses about solving problems. So it's looking back and thinking, well, which, which problem am I best placed to solve? And it's a problem that you've navigated yourself. 
So for me, it's thriving. I had to go through that journey of learning how to thrive um, in predominantly white spaces. I was always the only one of the few. So having navigated that, and I just felt that I was really best placed to serve you know, people like myself, and, you know, all through my career, like right from when I was at university in King's College, I was always part of one um, diversity initiative or the other. So I have seen, you know, have been on the receiving end of all these diversity initiatives. And I know what works and what doesn't work, what hasn't gotten results. So it's going through all of that. That was how I um, selected the people that I want to serve, you know, the African diaspora professionals and their leaders. Um, in okay. And, and what, what did you do before you became a coach? I think I've, I've jumped straight to what you do now, but, um, yeah. you know, let's, let's paint a picture. So what were you doing before? Right. Yeah. So um, I trained as a tax accountant. So my background, I'm a chartered accountant and also a charter tax advisor. So I spent 15 years working, um, providing tax accounting, M&A, um, tax advisory work, tax reporting work to um, um, companies in the oil and gas, so I guess more widely the natural resources sector. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I worked with oil and gas company, mining companies. And yeah, I did that for about 15 years, really. Um, so I have real practical experience of, you know, growing my own career yeah. and working in this you know, large organization. So that was fun. I did enjoy it, but... I'm enjoying coaching more. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never heard anyone say they enjoy tax accounting. So that's <laughs> that's a that's a first. And yeah. I, I I just never realized that, you know, accountants would have looked up from their shoes to realize that you were black in a in a white space. So um it sounds like a very interesting career that you were having. So um I mean, I'd probably say a lot of the advice you'd give and some of the conversations we've had as well before we've recorded the episode is. I'd probably say a lot of that advice applies to a lot of diaspora from different cultures as well. As long as, as long as their culture and where they've come from is slightly different professionally um, in how to kind of work in the West. So, you know, if you're coming from India, expectations are probably very different. You probably have a different experience to Africans, but you quite similar once you come to the, to the UK or, you know, the U S or wherever you go. Um, and I think one of the things that might be misconstrued about some of the episodes I record on the podcast is people might think we're talking about letting leaders just put us in positions because we're black or because we're diaspora. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we're talking about really hardworking people who just want to have a level playing field. Yeah. So on that, I want to be really selfish and ask you questions or ask you how to navigate and thrive in the workplace for diaspora. So, you know, if you were to give advice, because I'm a di- I'm diaspora as well, yes. uh, first generation, and I'm thinking, well, how do I thrive in the workplace? Yeah. What would be your best advice for that? Yeah, sure. You know, before I answer that, let me talk about the, you know, address the point you made earlier around, you know, all this noise about Black Lives Matter, Black careers, you know, maybe it's us asking for, um, for most, you know, for asking for an advantage. And it's really not about asking for an advantage. As you say, it's about leveling the playing field. Because if you look at the current situation where we have, where you have like a gross underrepresentation of Black leaders 
and uh, um, in black leaders and in some organizations, even black professionals, they just know they don't have black people working for them. You think, well, how, how has that happened? Why have black people not getting into these organizations? Why are black people not getting into leadership positions? The only way, the only um, way you can justify that happening is by saying maybe they're just not good enough. Yeah. Um, they're not smart enough. But there's no research. There's nothing that supports that black people are less ambitious or and they can't do those jobs. So the fact that they're not getting into it, it's indicative of there's, there's a problem somewhere. Yeah. And, and that is a problem that we're trying to correct through all of these actions and the conversation. So it's really leveling the playing field, because if you think the status quo is normal or the status quo is acceptable, then all you're saying is that, OK, well, there's something inherent about being white that allows you to be able to attain these positions and a black person cannot. And that doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to address your question, how, how do you thrive? You know, I think that too, let's talk about the, 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 the blockers to thriving. Yeah, I always think there's the personal and the external. So starting with the personal, the internal, you know, for many of us, we're the only one of a few. And um, as you said, you're first generation um, you know, African diaspora. So many of us do not know people who have walked the path that yeah. we're on. And in that, in that case, we don't know how it's done. We don't understand how the game is played. Yeah. So we are having to learn. And that in itself can be a barrier because, you know, if you're learning things for the first time, isn't it? You're more likely to make mistakes. You're more likely to run into um, troubles. So there is that, you know, sometimes we struggle with that understanding of how to create success in the yeah. corporate world. Um, you know, so understanding things like how you position yourself, how you develop influence, how you develop the psychology of the person that you're aspiring to be, because you often have to look like it before you become it. Um, building valuable relationships and, and all of that. So those are like the personal things that we have to you know walk through. And then there's also the external, as I said, um, you know, navigating some of the challenges, whether it's bias, um, the denial of opportunities, um, delay in progression, all of those challenges can then you know, lead to other personal things like maybe a drop in your confidence, imposter syndrome, and all of that. So it can get this really, you know, um, different factors yeah. Um, interacting with each other and just putting you in a more difficult position so it's understanding for each person listening understanding okay what are my own challenges you know if if anything I've said does anything I've said resonate and then thinking well how do I work with that individually because yeah. it's not just personal to you you know everyone goes through that I've been through that and I've had to walk through each of them while I was in the corporate world to get myself in a position where I could thrive yeah, no, and, and I think that's that's really, really important. And I think what you're saying there, you know, when you're the first to travel on a path and you're one, you know, if you're in environments all the time where you're one of the few black people or few brown people, you're always one of the few different people racially, culturally. Yeah. It becomes really hard to understand which bit is you and which bit is your culture. You know, yes. like, do I behave this particular way because I'm black or do I behave this particular way because I'm Gary? 
it, yeah. it's really hard to tell. And sometimes you might get discriminated against because yeah. you're Gary, but sometimes you might get discriminated against because you're black and yeah. it becomes really hard to tell because no one before there's no one else around you to say yes. they shouldn't really behave that way. Yes, absolutely. And then you, you know, you can I say we we can carry more issues than, for example, our white counterparts. Yeah. And so you're in a meeting, you need to perform, but you have so many other issues playing in the background. You might be concerned about your accent. Uh, you're being concerned about how you're perceived. So you have so many issues that can really interfere with your performance. Yeah. And, um, and it's up to us to each really become competent at dealing with those things because they then get in the way of us being able to um, grow our career and realize our potential. And, and so you said one of the ways to overcome that hurdle is to, you know, work on yourself. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the first step to working on yourself is listening to no Brown in town. Um, <laughs> what's yeah. what, what, what are the, are there any other things you could sort of think about as you start to work on yourself? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'll, if I go back, like my example, I started my career and I was very confident, right? I was on a graduate training program, you know, had um, gone through the assessment um, process. I was well qualified to be there. And but I remember as I started to move into, you know, I finished the graduate program, it was a three-year program, and I was moving into year four, year five of my career. I felt like my um, confidence started slipping. Yeah, to yeah. the point where uh, one of the senior managers at work told me how I was reticent. And I'll be honest, at that point, I didn't even know the meaning of reticent. I've never come across <laughs> I'm, that I'm, I'm quickly Googling it right now. Just, <laughs> what does this yes. Mean? yes, I had to um, look it up and it was someone shy, someone um, predisposed to hold them back. So they're you know, not saying much. And I remember reading that and I just thought to myself, that's not who I am. That's yeah. not who I want to be. And then I realized I had, um, you know, I'd begin to lose my confidence. There were times where maybe I struggled to get opportunities. You know, if you work in an environment where it's, um, there isn't a formal way of distributing work. So your peers might be getting more work than you. And then you begin to think, well, am I not getting work because I'm not that good? You know, you make up all the stories to explain the, you know, your, your situation. And they're usually negative on helpful stories. But I've gotten, I'd gotten to the point where my confidence was shaky. And it was just me realizing this is not who I am. This is yeah. not what I want to be. So I really invested a lot in building my confidence. So the way to do it is to identify what, what's your own, what your own issue is. So do you find yourself as someone that doesn't speak up in meetings? So even when you have ideas, you're holding back. Um, you're so worried about what people think of you or you're worried about saying the wrong thing. Well, it's just identify, okay, this is an issue. I need to work on it. Well, Google, can you find anything on YouTube, on Google that can help you? And sometimes it's like, oh, do I need to invest in a coach to actually help me walk through what's at the root of this and shift it? Um, so I'm a firm believer in the fact that, you know, you're not a tree. <laughs> you can change positions, you can move. <laughs> so it's wherever you are and you're not happy with the result. How do you know you're not in a good place? If you look at your results and you're not happy with the results you're getting, that's an yeah. indicator that you need to change something. So it's just realizing well, what do I need to change and finding, you know, who can help you? Resources, people that can support you. Yeah. No, that, that, that's really useful advice, actually. Um, and 
the other point you made earlier as well was around you know you've got the internal there's the you yeah is there is there anything you can do about the external the way other people are looking at you um yeah well absolutely you have to do something about it especially if it's affecting you so you cannot change other people obviously you cannot change other perceiving you what you can change is the impact on you yeah so becoming more grounded becoming more rooted in who you are such that you're not um you know you're not easily affected by what people think yeah and then there's also the point of having coming to a healthy um perception of yourself we're not perfect it doesn't matter where you are in your career you're still growing yeah. Um, I remember the points where how take feedback, maybe negative feedback, really, really personally. Like, well, there's nothing personal about it. It's just someone's opinion. Um, is thinking, okay, is it rooted in facts? Yeah. If it's rooted in fact, okay, maybe this is something I need to address. So we we'll go back to what I said earlier. Then just work on it. Find a way to work on it. And if it's something that is not rooted in facts, it's just someone's um baseless opinion. It's getting to the point where you ignore it. Yeah. Um. I think it's also, there's also an element of, there's an element of faith. You know, this is the way I approach it, that my my career, where I get to, is not in anybody's hands. You know, I'm the one that would determine um, how I get on. So I'm doing the work, as I said, doing the work on myself. I'm getting better technically, non-technically. I'm looking at, looking around and seeing you're looking at your um your environment how do i navigate this how do i make the best of this environment and you focus on that you find you'll come across people that are not supportive well ignore them and find yeah. the ones that are. and if you take that approach we um i think you'll get on well yeah no and i think you know a big part of that and um i've got an episode planned where i talk to a lady uh, I won't give away too much, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about imposter uh, syndrome. And I think a big part of that, you know, can be summarized as the kids would say these days, believe in your source. You know, if you believe in yourself and you believe in your mission and really who you're trying to be and yeah. what you're good at and what you bring to the table, yeah. it becomes a little bit easier to navigate those opinions that people have on whether yeah. it's valid or someone's just trying to, you know, tear you down. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's not what anyone says to you. It's what you make it to mean. Yes. So, it's, so if you're not sure of yourself, if someone says, a, you know, it's slightly negative thing because you're already endowed. You just, you, you collect it as evidence of what you were really <laughs> thinking and feeling yeah. anyway. So it, it, as you said, it's really being grounded. And I remember when I was in one of the organizations I worked with, I was still very junior in my career. And I mentioned that I was telling someone, it was at that point, I think it was, it was a partner actually. It was a brown partner, not black. It was an Asian partner. And I told that, oh, I'd like to be a partner. And he said, be realistic. <laughs> and at that point, I just thought to myself, what an idiot. Who are you to tell me <laughs> what I can be and cannot be? Yeah, and it had no impact on me. now, I would say, um, well, I did live a firm and I moved on. I didn't be- I didn't become a partner, but I went on to set up my home business. And now, you know, I'm a director in my home business, building my home brand, building my business. So I would say I did even better than become a partner. Yeah. But, but the point is, the words did not mean anything to me yeah. because I didn't believe them. 
And many times we are held back by other people's words because yeah. we believe it. So I didn't think, and you can't just look, I was still quite junior, how you can't just look at someone. There was no basis for him to say, oh, be realistic. It's like, yeah. You saying that just shows you're an idiot. Yeah. And I think we, we need to have more belief and you know be able to recognize those, I would say, useless opinions and not allow it to impact uh, what we do, what we do and what we aim for. Yeah. And uh, you know, like flipping it to the other side where you're saying, you know, you work to help leaders as well. It's as a leader, you've really got to think about the words you're using yeah. to the people around you because if a more junior person, you know, brown person came to me and said, Gary, one day I want to be the CEO. And I said, hey, just just be realistic. Um, that's not very useful um, yeah. for, for their development either. Unless, you know, unless they're really not smart at all and yeah. you see no potential in them. But again, still, you could be a lot nicer. Yeah, yeah totally. You can't, you can't um, as I said, this is my firm belief. You can't determine what someone else can or cannot do. So yeah. if that's what they you know, if that's what they're aspiring for, it's um I think at best you give them your your advice, how they, you know, you give them your advice, but you cannot tell someone to be realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, for for the individual hearing that uh advice, you also have to think, actually, that means I can't be a partner in this firm as yeah. long as that person's around because yeah. They already don't believe in me. So if I ever came up for partnership, yeah. they they'll be looking at it going, no, not not Bucky. She's yeah. um not good enough to be in this position. And yes. it could be completely unjustified as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Agree. No, it's, that was a really interesting conversation. Um, and I know you're really busy, you know, directing your own business. So I don't want to keep you for too long. I just want to thank you so much for some of those practical tips and i think the biggest takeaway from this for me is believing your source that's that's yeah. that's how i'm that's how i'm going to move forward from now so thank you so much absolutely thank you and yes yeah, if anyone interested in knowing more about me and the work that i do you can catch me on linkedin i share regularly on linkedin bookie ishala so feel free to connect and yeah it'll be good to be a part of your network no that's really great thanks so much bookie